Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Jane. Do it with your, with your robot one. Start with your robot one. Hello, Jane. Are you receiving me? I am receiving you loud and clear. <laughs> Long hot days in the shade of some big old tree Making daisy chains and watching all the honeybees Oh, we should be on Doctor Who, shouldn't we? They've never asked me, but I'd be a brilliant Dalek. You would. You are brilliant at sounding like a Dalek. Exterminate! 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 <laughs> now, talking of exterminate... Yeah. You don't have to exterminate the Italians, dear. <laughs> oh, I don't know I'm laughing. That's a bit mean. Um, well, so, news from the apiary. Obviously, this week I haven't opened because it's been a bit too cold. The temperature's got to be around, really... I mean, ideally about 14 to 16 degrees to sort of have a quick look. And, um, Is that definitely... because um, the, 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 the bees would perish if they came out in any lesser temperature? Well, it's not really the bees, because, of course, they've got their woolly jackets on, mm. um, but the larva could be chilled. Oh. There is like a condition that they can get called chilled brood. And I assume it's because they've been very cold and they've not formed properly. Oh, so that's interesting. They want to keep the brood. They're, they're really aiming to keep it, if you remember, about 36 degrees. You know, remember they, they press their bodies onto the developing egg and mm. they, they like to keep it warm. So if the beekeeper suddenly comes out and, you know, waves it in the chilly spring air, that's, you know, for them, that's just like opening all the doors and windows when you've got a newborn baby. All right, yeah. Yeah. Understood. Understood. Good, I'm glad. So, you know, unless you're going to have knitted a few thousand bonnets for them and some woolly shawls, then it's best not to open until the temperature is just right. Oh, well, thank you for, for clearing that up. Yeah, um, but, sorry, Jane. No, 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 carry on, please. Carry on. Carry, carry on, on as you were. <laughs> Ignore me at all times. I am just the interviewer. <laughs> okay um so what i did notice this week when i went up yesterday in fact all oh my word the book fast were absolutely so busy Ooh. last week i'd taken out their entrance so i'd taken out the little entrance strip so now they've got a full strip so they can all come out you know all the time and it was it was literally it was full the landing board was full of bees and there was bees right across the entrance wow and actually it's still got that chill in the air but it's not stopping them they're out but sadly 
I saw about four bees come out the Italian's hive. Right, and you've not opened that. Well, um, remember, I opened it last you opened, week. Yes, I meant, I meant yeah, you've not opened yeah. it since last week. No, um, I'm going to just, in fact, so there was hardly anything coming out and Lynn's bees have now died. Oh, have they? Yeah. When we went to the hive, we did notice that there was no activity whatsoever, where there was a little bit of activity with your Italians. Mm. So Lynn's queen was still alive. She was just oh. alive, strangely enough. Oh, wow. But she did, every other thing was dead and there was no brood in there at all. Wow. So, you know, so I spoke to the bee inspector and he was going to come this week, but it's not warm enough. So Brian McCallum, you know, my mentor yes, from yes. Urban Bees who trained me. Alison Benjamin's husband, he's going to come next Friday because he used to be a regional bee inspector for some time. He doesn't do it anymore, but um, he's going to come uh, on the podcast and he's going to look through the bees and just tell us what's what. Because, of course, the bee inspector could come, but mm. he's very busy and he knows Brian. And, you know, so he's more than happy for Brian to come and do the inspection. And then whatever there is to report, we can report back to the DEFRA B inspector. Right. Just to let him know. But, you know, it's not looking good. And in fact, I thought to myself, mm, shall I wait um, just till the temperature's a bit warmer, maybe on Sunday? I might just... Have a look, because what I'm worried about, if I'm honest, is I'm just worried about other bees going inside the mm. Italians if there's something really bad. You know, like if there is EFB in there. What, so if, if, um, if the bees from the Buckfast colony went in there, yeah. you mean? Yeah. yeah. I mean, at the moment, they seem totally fixated on all the spring flowers so i don't think they've they've probably not even noticed anything you know they've not noticed the entrance and it's not really robbing time because there's so much going off i mean they were all over the forget-me-nots and i noticed my friend on the allotment she's got this beautiful ornamental current it's beautiful and it's pink and it's got these little tiny flowers and they were literally all over it with Ooh. lots of other bees as well. I saw a tiny mining bee and I saw the hairy-footed flower bee. I saw a, a buff-tail bumblebee. I saw so many bees on this ornamental current and I thought, I'm going to get one of those because they're absolutely to die for. And, and do they flower just now or do they continue to flower? Well... Because they're an ornamental current, they are going to have a little current. Not that you'd eat it, mm. but I noticed the bees were also all over the gooseberries, for instance. The gooseberry flowers are just coming out and there was lots of honeybees on them. Mm. But these currants, they'll only come out in spring. Right, yeah. Oh, but it was such a beautiful scent. And it's definitely a must-have, I think, in a garden. Absolutely right. great. Yeah, if you like a bush... I Ooh, love a like bush. a bush. Oh, I like a bush. <laughs> I love a bush. Oh, I love to trim my bush. Oh, well, I don't have to trim mine. It's very easy to maintain. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I've... Um, lucky you. I, yeah, lucky me, eh? You wouldn't realise, but it is, yeah. With your easy to maintain bush. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to ask you, because you are very sort of vigilant with your bees, you're on mm -hmm. it, right on it. Yeah. 
are other beekeepers as vigilant as you, do you think? Well, I think other beekeepers are vigilant, but I suppose it's all down to experience, isn't it? I mean, we had this terrible disease, EFB, and we don't want it again. You know, it's as clear as that. But I do know it's a very hard disease to sometimes to clean out of your apiary. And I do know other beekeepers that have had EFB. Mm. And then I hear that they've got it two years later. Now, that's because they're using the same equipment. And maybe they have cleaned it, but maybe not thoroughly enough. And we're going to find out, aren't we, with these package bees? I mean... It just seems such a coincidence that me and Lynn have both had a problem and that we had EFB. So was it already in the hive? Who knows? We're going to find out. And Brian will tell us, and it's going to be interesting to find out what's what. But I might have to shut down the hive before then because um, if there's nothing coming out, you know, I'm going to keep a watch this weekend Mm. But I've just got to think about the other bees. Would you consider sort of moving the hive somewhere else, you know, a little bit further back? Well, not really, because remember that um, the bees, you know, if they come out, if you move the hive, if you move it less than, you know, about a couple of feet, it's very hard for them to remember where it was. It's not like if you came back and your Mm. house was two doors down, Mm. you'd be a bit confused, but you'd have a quick look for it and you'd be able to find it. Yeah, but bees can't do that. They'd have to. It'd take them a long time to find the hive if it was right. even if it was if it was a few feet away. Right. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm sure the buckfasts aren't interested. Like you say, they've got lots of forage of their own. They're busy out there. There's nothing for to rob in the Italians, is there? So it's well, not, not really. There's a bit of fondant, you know. Um, but they don't need that, not, do they? They're, they're making no, their own. No, they've got their. They're making absolutely. their own. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, it's all interesting. Um, but I've just been, you know, enjoying looking out for them on the on these sunnier, warm, warm days where there's a warm patch of heat, you know, and, and just spotting them. And it's so, so nice. And I think since I've been doing this podcast, I'm more knowledgeable about plants because yeah. we've had some wonderful experts. You know, before I, I knew that they liked like I've got this. I had a, a heli. Is it a heli or heli? A hebe. No, not a hebe, a heli. Oh, I don't know helis. Yeah, so a hebe is the little spring flower, isn't it? That's really pretty. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. that's lovely. And then a heli is a bush Mm. and it's got these little white and sometimes you get them in purple and pink little flowers on. Mm. It's quite a woody bush and the bees love it. And I've had one in my garden since I got here, you know, 20 years ago, and it's been great. But it's also been totally growing together with this cotton easter which is um another big sort of woody bush that's got these teeny teeny little flowers on that then turn to red berries and are great for the birds but the bees love this cotton easter i think that's how you pronounce it are you going to put all these on the instagram feed because this is all very helpful and if you could take a picture of your neighbor's current that would be fantastic 
I'm going to do that, Jane. That's a really good idea. Mm. But this cotton Easter got so big, I never knew the name for it. Uh, for years, I've just watched the bees on it. I thought that lovely bush that the bees like, but I never knew what it was. And I never really knew many names of many bushes. But anyway, it weighed so heavy on this Healy that it's killed it. Oh. So it snapped off the base of it. And now, you know, that one's died. And so the cotton Easter is going to take over take that space yeah <laughs> but i'm looking for something to replace the healy so i might get another one or is it a heli i could be saying all these names completely wrong but i hope people will if i if i post it on the instagram people how do you spell heli h-e-l-e oh well it could be either couldn't it somebody it will could. correct you out there <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's been a joy to sort of learn about these plants and and how much the bees really like them and i've been planting a few more things on the allotment when we spoke last week you said that you'd virtually just got soil to eat on your allotment a bit of lettuce <laughs> yeah. and some soil has that improved has that improved slightly <laughs> well there are a few additions on the allotment Tell me. What's, what's on the allotment? But it's really around and about now for everybody to eat is the wild garlic. I think I talked about that a few weeks ago, maybe. But what would you, How would you use wild garlic in what sort of, you know, dish? How would you use it? Well, it's lovely as a pesto. But you can put it into a quiche or even a soup. And I've just been picking handfuls of it. I can't stop eating it. Everybody's and it's just, just the flour. It's just the flour. No, it's the green leaves. Oh, so it's not the flower. No, it's not the flower. Uh, it's just the green leaves. And there's also this, uh, I think it's called three-cornered leek. It's another sort of garlic that's growing at the moment. And you can spot it because it's got like three corners, like triangle. And then it's it's very garlicky. You can't really miss it. And it's got a white flower on the end. It looks, you think, oh, is it a white bluebell? Um, but oh, that's what more... I'm thinking of. When I said, do you eat the flower? That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, well, you can eat the white flower, yeah. But these three-cornered leeks are very good as well. And if you get a nice fat one, it's like a little mini leek. I've got loads of them in the garden. They're like weeds, yeah. Wow. And the other thing that I've tried this week is ground elder. Liz Knight, a lovely forager that has come to my attention um, on Instagram, um, (laughs) has come to my attention on Instagram. Actually, that's not actually... You know what? That's not actually true. She hasn't come to my attention on Instagram. Um, A friend introduced me to her and she's been eating... (laughs) I liked it, though. It sounded very official. She's come to my attention. (laughs) She's... She was talking about ground elder and, you know, people go on about it takes over the garden. But actually, the Romans brought it over as a pot plant because it's Mm. full of goodness and it grows at the side of, you know, hedgerows. It grows over people's gardens and it's got quite an attractive uh, white flower that bees love, but Mm. it really takes over the garden. But if you get it before the flowers go on it, it's a very nice... um, it's a lovely, yummy, uh, spinachy type of green. Oh, so it's not like elderflower, as in elderflower cordial? No, it looks, the leaves look very similar, but it grows on the ground. It's not so tall. I mean, you've right. got to, when you're foraging for these things, it's like mushrooms, like anything. You've got to be really sure because there's a lot of these wild carrots, you know, like hemlock and stuff like that, that could kill you. Mm. You don't want to take a leaf of hemlock. You've got to be certain. But there's a lot of information out there. And I think you you could spot it. But 
yeah, I tried that and I'm still alive. I'm not dead. Um, <laughs> you know, how can you prove that you're still alive and that yeah. I'm not talking to you as you've gone into your spirit world? Mm. Um, because I think I sound quite clear. Maybe if I sounded a bit more, if you could just hear a <laughs> or a <laughs> Jane. Hey, up, Jane, if you just heard one or two words, that might be... Because that's how I always think with my dad, you know. When my dad first died, I don't know whether I told you, but I could hear his voice, like, talking to me so clear in the first few days that he died. I literally had a conversation with him. What was he saying? Well, I spoke to him on three occasions and uh, he said he was fine. He was just floating around and it was very nice and he'd met Beryl Reed. (laughs) (laughs) And I was a bit surprised by that. Mm. But he said uh, it was very nice just floating around and then... He sang happy birthday to me when I rang him on my birthday. I got my phone and I rang him um, just to pretend ringing. Obviously, I didn't ring his number. And then he sang happy birthday to me. Oh, I love it. And then just after he died, I thought, because I always used to speak to him on the phone, so I thought, what shall I do? And Tom said, well, why don't you just phone him? Um, just like and talk to him with your phone, which was a bit seemed a bit ridiculous. But I just mm. said, "Hey, up, Daddy, you all right?" And he went, "Yeah, of course I am. I'm fine." And I could hear his voice so clear. And I know a lot of people do talk about that when their, you know, friends or family have passed away. And I know there was this brilliant project in Japan where this lady, after the tsunami, she put a phone in her garden, mm. um, like an ornamental phone, and people queued up in her town or her village to come and, like, speak to their loved ones that had died on this oh, phone. really? Really? Yeah. Oh, gosh, how amazing. I know, it's so lovely. In fact, I put that in the musical that I'm writing because it's such a nice thing to... For me, it was so nice to talk to my dad, um, you know. And now all I can hear, that's why I'm saying to you, all I can hear now of my dad is him laughing with me, a bit like Aww. you and me laugh when we go, <laughs> if I start laughing or if I'm eating a cake or something mm. like that, I can hear him going, ooh, mmm, ooh, yeah. Mm. That's lovely, isn't it, that you're so tuned into him? Yeah, it's that's so brilliant. nice. Yeah, it's lovely. Oh, so lovely. I don't think you've mentioned this musical that you're doing, Esther. What is it? Yes. Well, I'm I'm doing um I've been writing the story for a musical um Ooh. and it's about a hoarder. Um uh, yeah, so I'm working with this company called Sheep Soup and we went to Canada with the first half of it and we worked with this producer called Michael Rubinoff who's yeah. done a musical called Come From Away in the West End and around the world. Anyway, yeah. he's supported us and we've worked with his students at Sheridan University with the first half and we're supposed to be going back to do it but because of coronavirus it's been a bit difficult. Um, so now we've written the whole of it and the guys have been working on the music and we're hoping to go and do a workshop at the National Studio at the end of the summer. Yeah, so that's going to be very exciting and it's all about a hoarder um, and it's her relationship with her hoard and, of course, that is a lot to do with grief and loss and, mm. you know, these emotional relationships with objects that become so important. So mm. it's been quite good for me because I've used some of the stuff, you know, with my own grief about my dad. And it's been really a good experience. Oh, lovely. And so yeah. have you written the songs as well? 
No, I haven't written the songs, but I've worked with the guys who are writing the songs. You know, we've shared ideas and that's been great. I've really enjoyed that. And I hope that you'll be in it, Jane. Oh, can I do my opera singing? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I am you can... surrounded by my objects. My objects are fading me, yet they're killing me at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I think that will definitely be one of the songs in the musical. That, that's the hit. That's the main one. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
amazing. And it was in his back pocket, so he had to take his trousers down and I saw his bum and it was ever so red. Was it? And was that outside? <laughs> well, it was just when we got home, actually. Oh, so it wasn't on the allotment that he was showing his bum. It, it, obviously, as we walked back from the plot after after we'd been planting the seeds and he'd been doing the slug day, it had, it had gone into this circuit. Oh, it, it made me laugh. I thought you were going to say that he had some nuts in his pocket and that he ate the uh, slug fingers, copper things rather than the, the nuts. I, I didn't think that you were going to say something about a battery. That's a very good story. I think you should get, include that in, in one of your things. <laughs> anyway, it, it was the laugh of April. It was the laugh of him. And, um, uh, yeah, because you could have a character that could hoard batteries and then create mm. circuits. <laughs> oh, yeah, they could, and then they could blow themselves up. Because a lot yeah. of people in hordes do actually end up having fires or, you know... Yeah, well, it must be very dangerous. Well, in our horde, there's a missing cat that's been gone for years and then it's found dead, flattened under a lot of Vogue magazines. Really? Yeah, and, and it I, rises um, out of the horde as a character and sings a song. Oh, really? Mm. On to a cheerier note. <laughs> um. <laughs> I know you don't like talking about sad things. No. I went to Costco a couple of days Ooh. ago. I'm not a member of Costco. A friend of mine is. And I was going out looking for my pans. I'm still searching for pans, Esther. I went to this um, professional catering shop in um, Shaftesbury Avenue. And they were very expensive in there and very heavy. So I didn't want those. And then I asked a friend who's a member of Costco if she would take me there. And we went there. And I didn't come back with pans. I came back with pine nuts. Oh, if you're a member of Costco and you like pine nuts, that's your place. Oh, wow. <laughs> pine nuts are very good. <laughs> but it's not solved my pan situation. Yes, so where are you going to go next then? Well, I think I'm going to go to John Lewis next. Hmm. Well, you'll have a nice time in there. When I went on Monday, yeah. last Monday, which was the opening of the shops on the 12th, mm-hmm. it was Absolutely. Even with people. But me and Gloria went down yesterday and it was packed. And But everybody was in such a jolly mood. It was so much fun. <sighs> Where did you go? Well, we went to Liberty because I wanted to get a nice tablecloth. All right, yeah. So I got this really bright coloured tablecloth with all nice yellow... They look like tulips, actually. In fact, I've got it on my little table now that I'm working on. Now, didn't you get a tablecloth for Christmas, Esther? Yeah, but I didn't like it. Oh, who bought it for you? Tom bought me a tablecloth and it was like a a children's painting workshop tablecloth with these silly little graphic bees and mushrooms on it. And (laughs) it's so plasticky that... I'm sure if you put a cup on it, it would slip off. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't very grateful and Tom was very disappointed that I didn't like it. Oh, so you've not used it? No, put it in the wardrobe. Oh, perhaps you could eBay it. Or I might wait till my niece comes around, does some painting outside and I put it on there and just strap her into the chair so she doesn't slip off it. (laughs) Oh, is that Bonnie? Yeah. When Bonnie comes around, she can do some painting on it. I used to have a character that I did for the kids called Bonnie. 
And she spoke like that. Oh, what? She, what didn't, she, she was called Bonnie, but she she wasn't a Bonnie lass at all. She's oh. very rude. And <laughs> what sort of things did she say to the kids? Like if they said mum? She used to embarrass them in public and speak really loudly. So at one time we went to uh, Florida and she'd speak to people. I think it might have been Los Angeles, I can't remember. But she used to speak to people like that, you know, in America. Which way is it to so-and-so? And they go, excuse me, ma'am. Do you, wait, wait, can't you understand me or something? <laughs> <laughs> and the kids were cringing. Oh, God, that is bad. <laughs> oh, flipping heck. That's the sort of thing my dad used to do. He used to pretend that he had a parrot on his shoulder and he'd go, oh, gym lad, and he'd, he'd like, walk with a sort of, as if he got, like, a, you know, a wooden leg. He was a pirate who lost his leg at sea with a <laughs> with a parrot on his shoulder, and he'd do that, and I used to be so embarrassed. It's so embarrassing for kids. I used oh. to do it in boots as well if I was asking for something. What did you say? Have you got any caniston? <laughs> <laughs> it's for my daughter. She's got a bit of a problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm going to try that just for fun. I'm going to pretend to be Julia and do it like that and say, uh, yeah, you know, have you got any sort of containers that you can, can catch bees in? Because, you know, I... I do need something like that for my, my bees. They just keep flying off and I, I can't catch them. Yes, I think Julia's good, but she's very she's quite polite, isn't she? I think that you should choose a non-polite character, especially yeah. if you want to embarrass your children. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you, Esther, I was going to ask you, just to get a little bit back to the bees. Mm-hmm. Have your children, have Gloria and Jeannie, ever shown any interest in bees? Yeah. Well, when we first got the bees, I got them both a little suit and they, they both looked at the bees. Is Jeannie that the one suit? that I wear? Yeah, the small one. <laughs> when I got your own very nice sheriff suit. The one that goes suit. up my bum. Yeah, yeah. And Jeannie really showed an interest and then she just went off it. Why did she go off it? I don't know. They just weren't that interested. I mean, they do like to hear how the bees are getting on. And I sometimes wonder whether they'll become beekeepers themselves, but I don't know. I don't know whether they will. It is quite a, an unusual it's quite niche, hobby. It's isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. But do they sort of impress people when, uh, you know, if it, if it ever came up into conversation, would they have enough knowledge to be actually quite impressive? They do know a lot about bees, yeah, because, of course, that's, you know, I'm always talking about bees. And now, at this time of year, every time I go to the hive, I always come back and report everything because, you know what I'm like, I just have to say everything that's happened. It's like a sort of Tourette's. Yeah. You know, in our flat, if they're all, everybody's in, they all have to hear what's happened with the bees. So they do know, and I think it's helped them be aware and interested in the environment, really. So when Gloria went on her South East Asia trip, did she have any sort of bee experience out there? No, um, she did spot a bee and she did actually message me to say she'd seen one, <laughs> but she didn't go in search of bees. I think she was just in search of uh, having a great time and having, you know, going to parties. So, no, yeah, she doesn't, yeah. she's not that interested in it. 
The other thing I just wanted to let you know, I've planted all my squashes because I do like to plant very comedy squashes. And the one that I'm doing this year, I've done it before, it's called the Candy Roaster. And it's so big, it's like a giant baby. Oh, it's ever so nice, yeah. So So just one? No, I've planted about, I've planted a few seeds, about five seeds, and I'm hoping to get a couple of the uh, the candy roasters because they, they're right laugh, they're massive, and they've got a funny sort of little teat on the end. Oh, oh they're, they're real comedy value. They're very good and tasty. Oh, can I come round when you have those? Oh, yeah, you can. You can hold one if you like. I, I get a little push chair for it for you to wheel oh. one home. <laughs> hmm. I'd like that. Have you got any plans for this week, Jane? Apart from pan searching, of course. Pan searching. Um, my my daughter Molly is coming because um, she's going to come and work with me um, on the Brighton project because right. I need to get up to date with her music. Mm-hmm. So that's happening over the weekend. Will you be having a laugh and a meal with her? I've, I've already prepared the menu. What is it? Well, I'm going to make her. The lunch that I made you, Ooh, which was the, was the sort of puff pastry pizza, Ooh, upside yeah. down pizza. Mm-hmm. You called it like a tart tartan, didn't you? Yeah. Yes. And Texan new potato salad. Ooh, okay. And- You're going to talk like that when you eat it? Oh, no, that's been mean. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then I made a lovely tomato and pomegranate salad last yeah. weekend. So I think I'll probably make that as well. And also my infamous Ottolenghi mushroom lasagna, which I'm going to make for our team at some point round our house. I've got some in the freezer, so we're going to have that. Oh, God, that would be good. Maybe I could catch a swarm and bring it round for your garden. Or too much, Esther. Okay. So, Esther, this has been very informative (laughs) and a lovely episode. (laughs) Goodbye. Love you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you daft bugger. Okay. I love you too. I really enjoyed this episode too. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. 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 is written and created by Esther Coles and Jane Horrocks. It is produced by Claire Broughton, Andy Goddard and John Wakefield and partly recorded at the Hives on my allotment near Crouch End in London. Our title music is Sweet Nothing by Amy May Ellis and Will Cookson. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Queen Bees Pod for pictures and videos from the Hive. Queen Bees is a hat-trick podcast. If you-